Abun de Boschmaya Nitkadashma Te te malkuta Nehwe sebiana Aikana de Boschmaya Af baraha Hablan lachma de sunkanan yaumana Washbuklan haubain Waktahain Ai Kanadaf Khan Shpokan Habain Ula Dahlan Nesiuna Ela Batsan Min Bisha Amen. Our One Absolute Eternal Being of which we are born forth from the realm of the all and the only. I am empty within the awe of your presence and the purity of your name. Empower my creative beingness through your expansion from the ever-present realm as I realize our strength and virtue as one. On the manifest earth as in the unmanifest realm, Provide the nourishment of your insight and realization through me and in every present moment. Release my hidden past as I cancel my past concerns with others. Do not let me lose my true self and forgetfulness, but wholly release me from the errors of my perception. For thy realm is the absolute, the all, and the only and our strength of virtue and magnificence. From cosmic gathering to cosmic gathering, from age to age, may these be the rooted earth from which all of my actions flow. Amen. Holy Spirit within me, living in wholeness, moving in joy and love, I surrender to your will. Bring the radiance of your light into my heart and mind. Merge with me to manifest your will upon the earth. Make me a conduit of your infinite knowledge. Amen. Hello and welcome back to the God-Led Mystics Podcast. I am your guide and host, Reverend Rose, and in this episode you will meet my wonderful friend, Allie Wilkins, who is an oracle of the Akash, a priestess, and a mystic of the Divine Feminine Mysteries. Allie and I discuss the quantum and spiritual relationship to wealth, as well as the modern lies that religion has kind of perpetrated against us in this lifetime. We journey through the stories and the belief systems on a collective and individual level on really how wealth and material prosperity has come to the place where we find it now. This is a wonderful opportunity for any spiritual practitioner who might be looking to learn how to charge themselves appropriately to really journey through just how to nourish yourself through your sacred service, through your business, and really asking what you're worth. This is such a wonderful conversation that I got to have with Ali, um, and I'm really appreciative of her work and all the stuff that she has done, um, because it was actually through 
uh, interacting with Allie's field specifically that I awoke to my own quantum wealth activation and really dove into my own work with uh, helping, um, you know, God-led mystics and practitioners really get comfortable in their wealth signature. So without further ado and with much love to Allie, uh, here is our episode. Enjoy. Hello, Allie. So nice to have you here. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. Uh, Today's going to be a good topic. Um, I would love if you could introduce you yourself and tell me what God means to you. Those are my two intros. (laughs) Okay, the second one's quite casual. (laughs) Of course. Okay, so everybody listening, my name is Allie Wilkins. Um, I'm very multifaceted, so it's like hard to say what I do in one second. Sometimes I freeze. But basically, I'm... I feel like I'm really here to support the awakening of humanity, including myself. And I really just love studying and learning about the ancient mysteries and and then sharing what I learn. Um, But I also work in the Akashic records and I love bridging together all of these different ancient wisdom from different ancient cultures and bringing it together um, in a way that we can really relate to today. So that's done through a lot of different things, but really I just feel like I'm here to help people awaken and like I said including myself in that as well and um what does God mean to me God just means source to me and it means like like infinite consciousness you know I think um we've really been programmed that God is like this there's like a face to God and I think it's really just infinite nature and Mm -hmm. that it, it really is ever expansive never ending um yeah (laughs) beautiful I love it I think it's so simple and also so complex at the same time yes (laughs) yeah I feel like the best way I could describe you is just the oracle (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) what does the oracle do but everything and nothing all at the same time right (laughs) Mm yeah it's like all of the magic and also just like holding the frequency yeah (sighs) so you know I love all of your work that you do with um studying the ancient mysteries of the goddess and today I really wanted to talk about this idea that um you know charging for our services as spiritual providers uh is wrong or that you know we need to be destitute in order to serve God um I feel like there's a lot of misconception that Yeshua was uh, poor. He's a poor wanderer who, mm-hmm. you know, wandered Israel um, in rags and was preaching that way. I, I feel like there's this, there's a big story around, uh, you know, just being in rags in order to serve mm-hmm. God. And I, but I believe that to be wrong. I believe yeah. that, you know, some people choose that. Um, I think that there are definitely people who choose to have no material attachments in, in their life. And I think that's beautiful. Um, but I think as a collective egregore and thought process, like it's a lie that we have to be completely detached from um, the material world in order to serve God. So mm-hmm. I would just love to hear your thoughts. 
Oh, so I was just telling Iris, I can talk for days on this subject. <laughs> this is where like my whole awakening started in the realm around abundance and working with Lakshmi, but mm-hmm. like separate from the goddesses or anything of around that, like for me, I think the most important realization with all of this is, but has been that if I don't now I'm like not really using the term light workers because I feel like that kind of creates separation and division but like well mm-hmm. let's just say people who are conscious um and are aware of the impact on mother earth of everything that we're doing or on animals like aware of our impact on other living beings when we are in the positions of CEO at Coca-Cola or CEO at you know when we're leading these huge companies we're going to change the trajectory of what those companies do completely. And so I really Mm -hmm. believe that people who have high consciousness are meant to be the leaders of society and are meant to be the wealthiest people on earth. Because Mm -hmm. with, when we have money, she's snapping. (laughs) When we have money, (laughs) we do so much good with it. Right? Like if I was a billionaire, I'd be saving the rainforest I wouldn't be and there you know do whatever you want with your money there's no judgment because we can have fun with it too but like I would be putting that money towards really beautiful causes and supporting deep change on the planet and the thing is the problem where the problem comes in is that we see these people who aren't operating with high consciousness doesn't mean that they're bad people it just means that they're not really aware or in tune of like we'll just stop there (laughs) not really aware or in tune (laughs) because that could be a different subject but when people who are conscious of all of this are the ones with the money we can do so much good with it and that's really how I think this new earth is going to start to be actually created and I used to really think like oh in order to you know, be a light worker. You can't, you have to be out of the corporate world and you have to be doing your own thing. Now I think something totally different. Like we need so many people with high consciousness in the corporate mm-hmm. world to help support the redirection. Cause imagine if like, okay, let's just, let's just look at like lean cuisine, <laughs> the company, I don't know who owns them, but somebody owns that company and like all the plastic that is involved in that okay so you're heating up these meals because it's convenient maybe you're busy whatever or maybe because it's low calorie you know if it was like 2000 (laughs) maybe that's why you're eating them and you're heating it up in all this plastic there's plastic covering if a light worker were running that company they might find a way to make that plastic like a dissolvable cardboard that dissolves into the earth after a week and there or a year or something there are companies that are doing that And so I could, I'm like about to go in 500 different directions. So I'm going to stop there and see where you want me to go. (laughs) No, I love it. I I think you should go right where your heart is telling you. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so us individually. Okay. So let me back up a second. So when we are doing our, our work in the world and we identify as being spiritual or we identify as, you know, doing some sort of like healing work what you were saying, Iris, about, you know, us being sold the story that Yeshua was like walking around in rags. Meanwhile, he was being supported by a group of women, primarily from my understanding, that's what was happening. And it's sort of the same thing that we were sold the idea that like, he wasn't a sexual being either, to make us feel shame around sex. 
it's the same with money. Sex and money are both the issue, the th- the concepts or the topics that people like, it's like, Shh, don't talk about that. It's like not polite to talk about how much money you make or whatever, you know, or how much sex you're having. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the same concept. Like we're being shamed out of really something that can just provide nourishment first to ourselves so that we can offer our best to other people and like be in our highest self. Um, but also so that we can do like, have the, have the funds and the resources needed to create actual change, you right. know, cause if we're struggling, like I want to be able to go buy green juices. I want to be able to like, <laughs> you know, live in a house where everything is rainforest Alliance certified, all the materials, like no harm was yeah. done to the rainforest in that, like all that stuff costs money. So we have to completely ditch the idea that to be spiritual means to be poor because I just think we can't really do our soul mission at the highest level. That's what I'll say. It's going to be so much more difficult to enact our soul mission if we're like, okay, how am I going to pay the bills? I can't afford groceries this week, you know, or you're like so drained. Like, who are you when you're really nourished? And who are you when you're struggling? Like, then that's the energy you can give to your clients or give to the board meeting when you're trying to sell them on the idea that, you know, they should stop (laughs) using plastic and use glass containers instead. Like we need our full energy to really be able to do this work. And money is a form of that too. That helps, that helps to nourish us. So maybe even like, if you're listening to this, um, I mean, I have a whole book called Sacred Wealth that takes you through a lot of this stuff, but even play around with replacing money with the word nourishment. That's a good one. Like, I desire greater nourishment. Like, what is wrong about that or what is shameful about that? Um, And, you know, so many of us have also taken vows of poverty in other lifetimes or even in this lifetime. Like, I used to think this was just a past thing, but now how we're seeing, like, there's so much judgment towards you know elites or billionaires which like maybe rightfully so maybe in quotes (laughs) Um, but we look at that as the model of oh people who have a lot of money are acting this way no that's not that's a small group and one of the most important like very basic concept I've learned about money is that money only amplifies who you are it doesn't change you It just amplifies who you are. And if it does change you, it's just highlighting something that was already within you anyways. (laughs) So the people who have really, you know, beautiful hearts and are like, oh, I don't want animals to be tested on. I don't want the waters to have radioactive shit being poured into it. I want the land to be nourished so we can grow plants for the next thousand years. And it's, you know, like people who think in those ways are meant to be the leaders of these companies or leading your own company or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be business oriented, but Mm -hmm. you know, be if like, for example, if you're a stay at home mom or something like you want to be able to buy your baby, the best quality foods and the toys that don't have Mm -hmm. like, you know, all these leached chemicals into them that they're biting on. And they're like, wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. It's not about Cause your soul mission doesn't have, doesn't have to be a business whatsoever. It's whatever, whoever you're being in that moment, like your soul mm-hmm. mission is just being who you are, spreading your energetic signature in whatever ways you feel aligned to in the moment. And we're just better people when we're nourished, we can give so much more yeah. and share so much more. 
Mm-hmm. There's I my think... first rant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> um, and something that I think really that comes to my mind a lot is that when people, you know, are seeking to offer themselves out into the world, they want to save everyone. So they, you know, charge less than they're worth. Um, and I'm thinking specifically, like, you know, when I did my, uh, my Reiki masters, right, my Reiki master says, okay, so at least charge a dollar a minute. So for mm-hmm. doing an hour session, that means it's $60. Um, and it was fine for like the first three weeks, (laughs) but after that you realize like, uh, you know, there, there has to be like a, a more equitable energy exchange because it's not just like you're doing Reiki on this person. You're not just doing Reiki. Um, Mm -hmm. you have to consider like all the time and energy and resources that you put into learning Reiki and becoming this Reiki master and, and knowing your soul codes and that's what you're giving them. So it's really, it's almost like, I call it fast food Reiki, um, when we Mm -hmm. cheapen it down, right. To like a dollar a minute. Um, and I don't mean that with any judgment or shade for anyone that's doing it. Um, but I see like a lot of, and I'm just using Reiki because it's kind of the world that I live in. I see a lot of Reiki masters that are charging 60 to $80 and they're like, I hate doing Reiki. And I always tell them too little. And do you think that's my issue? <laughs> like, I know that's your issue. And as soon as they raise their rate, you know, as soon as they raise their rate to like a hundred dollars, uh, let's say, um, they always come back and say, oh my God, I feel so much better about my Reiki practice. And I'm like, yeah, because you're not having a proper energy exchange. Mm-hmm. So, um, I feel like it's really noble for us to want to save the world, but also we can't do that by cheapening ourselves and our practice. You know, I, I find that like when I'm nourished by my clients and I have an overflowing cup, I can actually show up and, you know, give back uh, more for less, if that makes sense. So, that's, you know, that's how I'm able to do um, group sessions for very little or yeah. um, I often will have, um, I like to do uh, three to four free sessions uh, a month just for people because it's like part of my giveaway practice and but I can't do that when I'm like in the negative you know in yeah. in my energy and in 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 you know in my in my nourishment if you will not that I, I feel like I've never been in the negative with my money but I've been in the negative with my nourishment right like my, yeah. my feeling of being taken care of um so I just find it so interesting because we have like this paradigm uh, around charging for services. You know, people who seem to think that since we're doing work with God um, or with energy, we shouldn't be charging well, or we're charging too much or, you know, something like that. And I'm so frustrating. (laughs) I want to shake them, but also (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> yeah why would god not want you to be rich and wealthy and fully nourished like i think that all of that really ties back to the idea that 
And I also, you guys, I also talk about the church. (laughs) So we're about to go in that direction. Yeah. I'm (laughs) safe here on Iris's podcast, but just to give you a little, yeah. I think it goes back to a lot of the programming around the church of like, you're bad, you're a sinner Mm -hmm. and God is judging you. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that is not who God is. There's no, like you are God. So that just means you're judging yourself, you know? And like really looking at how that has seeped into how you see money. And I think, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in like a really religious culture, but I have a lot of clients who have talked to me about um, trauma that they've experienced from growing up in that space and how they've been so programmed and certain ideas around money or sex in relation to that really looking at how all of that is, has seeped into what your idea of money is. And something Mm -hmm. I've noticed is that, and I've noticed this in myself too, like if you could go work at Target, say you work at the Target marketing team and you make a hundred thousand a year, you make 50,000 a year or 5 million a year, like you're able to receive that money, but then for your own work using energy to heal people, like how is that different receiving money in that way? Like even taking away the idea of like doing work for God, like it's still just energy coming into your bank account. And I think a lot of women have experienced that where it's easy for them to make money through a corporation or through like an entity that's not like a single face or like, oh, that's Mary's money coming into me. Oh, that's like Mm -hmm. Tara's money coming here, you know? And then when you bring it into your own business and selling for your own skill sets, there can be, it's a whole different like learning system to be able to receive with that. And so really looking at all the layers of like what you, and this, my book, if you, if this is a struggle for you, my book actually would be really, really good for you. Um, it's a workbook and allows you to go through all these things in a very layered way and looking at, you know, how is it that I actually feel about money? What do I think are the requirements for me to make money? And like, you get to make money just by being yourself. There's nothing else needed, you know? And if we're bringing the God's work energy into it, God wants you to be rich and wealthy and prosperous and nourished so that you can share loving energy and healing energy with as many people as possible. But like Iris was saying, you can't, we can't do that when we're drained in energetic work. Like I work in the Akashic records. I, there's a boundary for me. I do not do more than one session per day because I'll get super drained. And it's not just like, Oh, I sat here for one hour and, you know, I typed for 45 minutes. Like I'm going into another realm. There's a price for that. I'm going Mm -hmm. into your field. There's a price for that. I had to be completely sober for, not that this is like a problem for me or something, but like (laughs) I had to, you know, cultivate my entire 24 hours before to make sure I would be fully open and available to you. That means that I might not have done certain things that I really wanted to do because I made the commitment to you as a client, right? Or even like, Mm -hmm. you know, all the practice I've done or doing my daily um, spiritual practice for 10 years that allows me to be able to hold that sort of energy. It's not just like, oh, I'm sitting here and answering the phone for an hour. Not that like that's not good enough or something, but there's different implications that can't be charged in the same way. Um, And Mm -hmm. like, I see this with... um, like Akashic record readings are, can be really, really deep. And I've seen on mm-hmm. Etsy, people are charging like, you know, $15 for an hour session. I'm like, I would never trust you. If you're holding yeah. that sort of 
this is just a different angle for you guys to listen to. Like someone who's really holding their worth is not going to charge a small amount for what they're doing. And like, Mm -hmm. maybe you're practicing. Like I started out doing Akashic record readings at like 30% of what I'm charging now, because I felt that felt like Mm -hmm. it was an integrity for me as I was learning my craft and getting better, you know, but eventually it's like, there is a cost to you, to the practitioner. What is that cost in terms of money? And Mm -hmm. it has to be equal because otherwise you're like, I started this, like you're going to be doing these sessions and you'd be like, this sucks. doesn't suck. You're just not having the courage to ask for what you really desire. Or there's probably a million little beliefs around that of like, Oh, people won't show up or people, but like people pay at any price. It's just, are you holding the energy of being worth that price? Yeah. And I think what you said is, you know, I wouldn't trust you. Oh my God. I've seen people charge something and I'm like why would I pay that like it's 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 too little you know there's like this idea that if it's not if it's not expensive then you know it's it or I shouldn't say expensive but if it's not like priced in my mind reasonably um then I don't want to pay for it and it's the same thing as if I was like going out to buy a blanket for my son like yeah. if I, if I'm going to go buy a 100% organic cotton blanket and it was like $7, I'd be like, what's wrong with this? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> like, where's my scam here? <laughs> yeah. Like if you go I, get a shirt for a dollar, like that. <laughs> yeah. you just know something's off with it. It's like not the appropriate price mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's the same thing for, you know, people that are doing this work and also what you said, um, you know, you're not just sitting and being in the this space for an hour. You are actually committing even to your daily practice of connecting to God and connecting to the records and connecting to your soul. And that is all reflected in what you're getting because you're not just getting, um, you know, an hour long session with Ali. You're actually getting a freaking activation um, that's going to alter the trajectory of your life. And that's how I feel about my practice in Reiki. Like you're not just getting me working on you. You're getting a new reality attunement. Like Mm -hmm. you're moving into a different timeline when we work together. So like in my mind, that's priceless. Like, yeah. How do you put a number on that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) It'd be kind of nice to say that out loud. I don't know if I've ever said that out loud. Um, you said something else that I wanted to touch on, but I like lost it. Oh, um, no, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's just a matter of like, also when there's a lot of people charging really low prices in the industry, especially like that's tainting the industry itself. Because like, if you, I'm just thinking back to like, you know, these priestess temples where priestesses were revered, like we were seen as Mm -hmm. almost being almost royalty and um, people would come in deep reverence to come work with us. And that deep reverence has been lost. And so we have to hold that now to Mm -hmm. restore that energy. You're not like working at a cash register you're doing something that requires great mm-hmm. skill. It requires uh, like skill sets that 
you can't just learn overnight. You can't take a course and like become a priestess. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you could remember things to help you activate that. But if you've been that in other lifetimes, like there's not a course for you to learn how to be compassionate or for you to learn these like, you know, intuitive, um, Mm -hmm. gifts. I'm just like, there are courses that can help you develop this stuff, but there are certain things that you already have innately that are not learnable in one lifetime that you have already mastered for, let's just say like 30 lifetimes you've spent mastering these other things. Like there is a cost to that, you know? And like, I don't know what the Mm -hmm. actual answer to this is, but if you think about, you know, the Dalai Lama coming to, or some sort of spiritual leader or like sad guru or something like he's popular now, if he came to give a speech, like, I wonder what he charges because he has a whole team behind him, helping him. He is not going to be like, Oh, it's free because I should be, um, you know, whatever. He's not going to say it's free. He's going to say, Oh, it's 40,000 an hour. (laughs) You know, like, we have to have that sort of confidence, but it also like integrity is really important when we're working with, I mean, mm-hmm. just in general, but also I think in relation to pricing yourself or what you can get behind so that you feel an integrity about what you're offering. So like mm-hmm. my prices go up as my level of skill and mastery goes up because I'm going to feel icky if I charge a hundred dollars for a reading that is like, taking my whole day of energy, sort of, I'm not working with anybody else that Mm -hmm. day. Like I'm going to feel icky if I'm exchanging something that's not an integrity for the actual service. And then, Oh, she popped off, but I'm going to keep talking because maybe she'll, she'll pop back on. Um, so then with that, there she is. Yeah. So if we charge something, I just kept going. If we charge something that's not in congruence with what we really feel it's worth and what we desire to receive, you're going to have resentment and that's going to seep into whatever work you're doing. And it's not going to be helpful or supportive to you at all. But on the other hand, if you're charging something that's like way overinflated of what you really feel comfortable, and this is sort of another side of the industry that's getting a bad rap, that also will create incongruence and your clients will likely be the ones who report that back to you. And that doesn't feel good either. Right. So you want to find the sweet spot. And I always tell my clients, just like start playing around with numbers, like what feels good for you. Um, You can charge something one day and change the price the next week. If that doesn't feel in alignment, you're like, actually, that's a little much. Um, you know, you can play around with numbers and that can be helpful for you to determine really like, what is that sweet spot of what feels good? What feels an integrity to me where I'm getting what I require for this service, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's such a good point too. It's like, we take money so seriously in a way, um, which it deserves to be taken seriously, but it also deserves to kind of be played with. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think too, you know, um, I do a lot of work around money karma. And that might sound really funny to some people, but I find, you know, that when we do charge uh, out of congruence with uh, our true soul nature, we are creating our own financial karma, which we end up paying down the road. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people kind of rack up their own um 
karmic retribution, if you will. And that doesn't mean anything bad is going to happen to this person, but, you know, maybe they lose money for a while or that sounds so, uh, that might sound horrible to say out loud, but um, it's something I've seen many times, you know, you yeah. like inflate yourself and then you have to deflate if if it's not in congruence with your soul nature or divine nature. And it might not even happen in this lifetime. I work with a lot of clients um, who have money karma from other lifetimes and we're like clearing it out. We're, you know, we're, we're balancing the scales. And so I think what you said was was really important to know uh, and also important to just be really honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. <sighs> because like it can feel so weird um, to charge a certain number or to 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 choose a certain threshold um, and we can question a lot if if you know if we're worth it quote unquote right um, yeah. if we're worth that money and I think that all really comes down into you know our experience of worth and um I know I'm kind of jumping here, but I remembered what I wanted to say. And it was that I, you know, read about the Oracle of Delphi and, you know, mm -hmm. the Oracle of Delphi only worked one day a month <laughs> and was well taken care of for the, the other yeah. 29 days of the month, you know? And so it, it goes to show just how, how there's like no real equation to how much time you're actually quote unquote working versus what you're actually making for your work, if that makes sense. Mm, I love that so much. Yeah. And I think too, one of the things that we don't think about, um, this really was like eye-opening for me a while ago, like priestesses were always taken care of. We didn't mm -hmm. have to create our own money. Like we were supported and we had benefactors and we had um, people providing for the temple. You know, just like if you go to church today and the stewards or the people coming into church are the ones paying a lot of times, like they're putting money in a little basket, you know, that's going around. Mm -hmm. And so there's also a learning curve to that of like, okay, maybe it's probably not the first time you've had to deal with money since the times of the priestesses, but like, this is, that's an element that we forget about because we're used to being mm -hmm. taken care of. And so then when you have to create it yourself, just noticing what are the things that come up for you and remembering like nothing is ever true. <laughs> like right. nothing is ever true. It's just like, is this helpful for me right now to believe <laughs> and let's go with that belief. And then when it's not helpful, I'll pick another one. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I think what you said there is really important too, because we forget that the age of the priestess and the time of the priestess was really so important to um, the, uh just like i don't like even using this word but it wants to come through the empire like it was mm -hmm. the priestess who consulted with the ruler of the kingdom or the ruler of um you know the empire or the pharaoh or what have you and that's you know yeah. why in ancient egypt you know we see uh images of the holy mother nourishing um the sun with her breast milk, right? That's why we see like all of this goddess um, iconography uh, knighting the kings. This is why we see the goddess holding uh, the rulers of these lands and guiding them through uh, their decision-making and you know what they're doing for their people. And it's like, 
we we like killed her basically we're like ah fuck the goddess um which (laughs) sounds horrible and it is horrible right um but it's like as soon as we forgot to consult the goddess which we did through the priestess right um everything kind of began to develop a schism Mm -hmm. and there began a great divide between yin and yang um and you know the polarities of masculine feminine and the holy mother and the holy father and then it it came into our minds as a great divide between logic and creative and we began to feel like this massive schism between our ability to feel emotional and sensitive and intuitive versus like having to do the right thing and show up in a physical way right Mm -hmm. and all of that is now reflecting back into our experience of money because money is not just um a physical object it is an energetic currency that we're working with as well and i think that's something that people seem to forget um, or don't fight for (laughs) they don't seem to understand that you know the money that we're we're making and by fighting you know i mean um like choosing to ask for something better i can't i can't tell you how many people i've worked with Uh, on this topic specifically who will go to go get a job and they'll be like I had this offer and I'm like that Kermit um, meme I'm like ask for more they're like what (laughs) you think I can do that I'm like oh hell yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) or oh heavens yeah go ask for it Um, and it's just very fascinating to me that people forget that they can you know do that or request more Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And I think too, another piece of that is like looking at as priestesses time, we don't, we can't operate in the like matrixes form of time that's been created. So what I mean by that is we've been taught that you work eight hours per day, five days per week, and that's an appropriate work week, right? If I went back to an old job and did that, I would be so drained. Like I'm not in my highest self doing that. And I think one of the really important things, because wealth is also time, like how much time do you have to actually enjoy your life? And um, we've also been taught, you know, that wealth is only what's in your bank account. And it's like, well, if you're a billionaire, but you don't have one second to yourself and every day, and you're just working 24 seven, like, are you actually wealthy? And But on a separate little note of that, you know, if you're a really intuitive, sensitive being, you probably need more space than the average person. And so we also have to like, the word that's coming in is decolonize ourselves from this sense of like workaholicism, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of working all the time or working 40 hours per week and thinking that that's the appropriate hour. Because like here, this is an example that's coming in. And I don't know if this is true or not, but this is just an idea. Like JK Rowling writing Harry Potter. She, I know that she had needed a lot of time to write those books and she had a lot of like rejections or whatever. In order to write a book, you need to have spaciousness in your life. Mm -hmm. And so all that spaciousness created such a powerful like empire, if you will, of like a theme of books and movies and, and, you know, like, there's like a whole resort land amusement park thing about Harry Potter now. And 
I don't think that she's necessarily a priestess, but like spaciousness is, is required for some of our creations to even be able to be birthed. Like, I know that a lot of the things I'm doing and I'm creating and even the things I'm thinking about and are supporting me in my own journey of consciousness and awakening. Now, if I was sitting at a desk eight hours per day, I would never even get close to those streams of thought because there's not enough space in my life to create it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's bad because some people like you, you might be like, um, you might be someone who has tons of energy and you can keep going. I'm a, I'm a projector using like Western human design. So I operate in cycles. Like I will work. Well, let's just say this understanding your cycles of energy and how they operate is vital for your wealth signature. And as an example of this, like I will be super inspired and creative for like a month and just be like almost like working around the clock, but I'm like loving it. I'm like nourished by it. And then I do nothing for two months. <laughs> like I have a backswing and it's not from being burnt out. It's just, this is my natural cycle of how I operate. And so now I understand, like now I'm in one of those down cycles where I'm really not doing very much. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm gearing up for the next cycle to begin. Mm-hmm. And once we can start to recognize those cycles, you can then design your life around that, which I think is a huge aspect of wealth, having yeah. the, the, how you use your time and space in your life in a way that works with your energetic design, right? That's going to create so much more high quality creations from you and just experience like your own experience of life is going to be so much better, which is worth a lot in money. Yeah, it's true though. I mean, because, um, you know, knowing what your cycle is, knowing where your energy lies, knowing what your priority is, like that actually gives you the wealth that you desire. Um, And I definitely like thank my past self for, you know, pouring everything I had into um, what I'm doing now, because when I got pregnant and gave birth, it sustained me. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing that I want to do more than stay home with my child and also keep doing what I'm doing. Um, and it's just worked so well in a way. Um, it's worked so well for me to be able to be home um, and, you know, chasing this tiny toddler I have <laughs> and also, you know, doing my work. Uh, and I keep wondering, like, I'm also, I feel like I'm kind of in a down cycle as well, which I'm ramping up for the next phase. But I keep yeah. wondering, like, how how can we create um And, you know, there might be no answer for this right now, but I keep going back into my mind and questioning, like, how can we create uh, business um, structures that reflect the natural cycle of the people that work in them? And that sounds like kind of complex, but what I'm thinking specifically is like, you know, I work with women. And so all the people that are working on the creation of the temple with me are women who bleed um and so all of us have our own down cycles every you know 28 to approximately 30 days right and so I keep wondering like how can I create a structure for my people where where um 
able to really honor ourselves. We're able to really honor what's happening in our body, what's happening, you know, in our cycle, what's happening uh, in the larger cycle of ourselves. And I keep, I keep like dreaming of a reality where like all of us get together and we're like, all right, we're shifting shit because (laughs) I'm so tired of like being on a Facebook mom group and seeing this mom be like, well, I've had two and a half off Two and a two and a half months off with my baby, and now I have to return to work for forty hours a day. It like kills my, I mean, a day, a week. <laughs> it kills my soul to think about just how dishonorable these cycles are to what's actually happening in our life and how mm-hmm. we've agreed to them. I I could never ever imagine leaving my child for the first six months of his life. And again, this is no judgment. Um, but it, you know, it takes, it takes six months for a baby to survive off of your breast milk. How can a baby survive off of your breast milk if you're back to work at three months? Mm-hmm. Pumping, I guess, or, you know, the addition of formula, right? I think that's how they've, you know, gotten women to be even in the workforce like that mm-hmm. is with, you know, stuff like that. Um, and yeah. this is, of course, going down a different tangent, yep. but <laughs> I don't mean to go there, but I thought about that a lot as a mom. Like how how do we set up spaces for women to really be taken care of? And this is not to exclude men by any means. I just think that women are a lot deeper, deeply connected to the natural cycles that we ebb and flow in. Mm-hmm. But how can we hold these spaces? How can we create structures to reflect like the natural cycle of our life? Because it's really not normal that people only get two weeks off a year to go on vacation yeah. or to only have the weekends, you know, uh, to do something. I had a job tell me that once and I I basically told them to go fuck themselves. And of course uh, they fired me, but <laughs> yeah. I, I I couldn't do it. I was like, you expect me to be here for 50 weeks out of the year 50 and mm-hmm. they were like yes and I'm like but you're not here you're out there uh doing whatever you want getting drunk on the boat and they're like yes and I'm like mm-hmm. no <laughs> this is not how I'm playing so I think about that a lot I think about the many times I've stood up and said this stuff you know to my my quote unquote detriment um actually I found it to be a liberation. Mm-hmm. But um, there's there's not a lot of you know support I feel for people that are willing to say that and to claim what they want or that at least we don't see that and I I just I keep coming back again to this question of how can we create these systems and structures so that we're not like spending our whole lives chasing something that isn't even the actual end goal of being alive as a human yeah. I mean, I think what you want. Yeah, I feel like so much changes because when we have the bravery to challenge things and question things and like if enough people went into that job you had or whatever and said, "Um, no, I require three months off per year or you won't get me. If enough people said (laughs) that the policies would change. And I have a friend who does a lot of Mm -hmm. work around like the menstrual cycle and teaching people about that. And um. I actually have a video with her on my YouTube channel. Her name's Kate Newey. You can look it up if you want to watch this video, but she was talking about like how 
you know, even just an example of this is when women, okay. So imagine if you are watching this or listening to this and you have a job and you know, when your period's coming every month, you could ask your, your boss, Hey, I need to work from home when I'm on my period. I'm, my work is going to be much higher quality. I'm going to be able to offer more or like, Hey, I work better from 5am to 2pm. I did this in my old job. I was like, I'm not working nine to five. Those are not hours that I'm very productive. I'll come in from six to three and I guarantee my work will be better. And like, ask for what you want. And not in every case, you know, every mm-hmm. job or every, wherever this is at in your relationship or whatever, like you're not always going to get a yes, but get comfortable asking for what you want and hearing no is okay. But if you ask something enough and you, or you take different angles of it, like, and learn how to, I think also this is important in the corporate world, like understanding how to sell it to someone so that it benefits them. They can see how it's supporting them. Like they're mm-hmm. going to be open to that. And my friend Kate, when we were talking in, the, in this video, she was saying, she was talking to her husband about this, you know, like, would you, um, would you let women work? Like if they asked for it, would you let women when they're on their period or on their cycle work different hours? If you knew it meant they were going to be more productive or would you let them take that whole week off knowing they would be way more productive when they came back? And over longer periods of time, you know, and it's like thinking about that sort of thing, because as women, we have a lot of power. We're half of the planet, (laughs) you know, we have a lot of power, but Mm -hmm. we have to have the courage to speak our minds and to demand what it is that we desire. And we can learn to do that in a way that is going to be received and is going to, um, someone will actually, you know, like hear us just like in a relationship if you scream at your partner they're not going to hear what you're saying but if you say it in a tactful way then they Mm -hmm. might be able to really receive what it is you're ultimately trying to say so I think that's the first step because like Bob running your company doesn't know anything about any of this stuff he's just going off of what's (laughs) been done in the past and what works and so as women if we start Mm -hmm. to learn about like hey drop it like coming back to work after three months feels horrifying to me and not just like this is also I think like listening to our soul or listening to our intuition Mm -hmm. like if something feels horrifying do not do it ask for think about all the other options of what it is that you could do and ask or see how that could be you know shifted maybe work in the office two days a week instead of all five like we have to start asking for different things that's how then new policies are created that then become the norm, right. mm-hmm. you know, and then it gets better and better and better and yeah. better. But we know what we want. A lot of times we just don't have the courage to actually say it. Right. Which is then just another way of like shoving our actual cycles down because if yeah. we, you know, cannot claim what we want or if we just override our feelings of horror, then we end up in a, in a burnout or like um, a destructive fire, if you will. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I, I just like, huh, I pray all the time, all this stuff, because I, again, look at all these women being moms, I look at all these women that, you know, go through their cycle. And I just pray for the courage for all women to ask, you know, what they actually desire. Um, because, you know, your child's only small once, 
you know, that first year with them or those, at least those first six months are so integral and so important to their development. Um, and, and the same is true for our bleed. You know, if, if you're bleeding and you can't do anything, like, I don't know how you can work. I, I can't even remember what it was like to, to work and bleed because I hardly do that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that's definitely a privilege that I've created for myself, but um, I just feel like so passionate about cycles and uh, not just, you know, our, our menstrual cycle, but our larger cycles, like you're talking about, and, mm-hmm. you know, the the cycle of of the goddess and, and, and nature, like we, I, I really like, I shift all of my stuff when winter comes, like I push things back later. I shorten my hours that I'm working. Um, and I really follow the earth's cycle on that because I feel, you know, this, I live on this beautiful planet. This beautiful planet is telling me what energy we're living in. And I want to honor that. And I think, you know, that gets override or overridden as well um, in work when when we, you know, aren't like in that space. I remember living in Maine and working from 10 to 7. Um, and at 4 o'clock, the sun's down. There's no sun. So you're just driving home in the pitch black at 7.30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the morning, you get like one hour of sun. And so you're like living in this cave. It's just so yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. And I think like ultimately like going back to the concept around wealth and like bringing all of this together, it's like, you know what you want because your soul is telling you based on what you're interested in, based on the dreams you have based on like, Oh, I think this would be so cool. Well, that's an invitation towards it. And so then how can you take, how can we take the steps to build our life around those things, you know? And like, Cause if you're not doing that, it's going to be hard to then be in a position where you really feel nourished because nourished can come from having enough money, right. To be able to get all the fancy stuff you want or the things that, you know, might be like healthy stuff is more, a lot more expensive. And so you might have all the money to do that, but it's also not just about the money. It's about your quality of life. How do you want your days to be? Like Iris was saying, you know, she set it up for herself by doing all of that then when she got pregnant she didn't have to like deal with any of the other stuff you Mm -hmm. know and so like having the bravery to really act on that because if you like how you're spending your day that's the greatest wealth like Mm -hmm. I always use the question um would you if you were a billionaire would you still be doing what you're doing Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, like you're the wealthiest person on the planet, congratulations. <laughs> and if the answer is no, it's like, okay, well, what would I want to be doing? And I remember going into these questions like 10 years ago and I was like, well, I think I would want to be on a beach drinking a pina colada. Like, mm-hmm. And then, you know, later on, as I went deeper and deeper into that question, I was like, well, I'd probably get bored of doing that. I might get like tired of doing that. What would I actually want to be doing to give back? Because mm-hmm. there would be something that you would want to spend your time doing. Like if I had a zillion, trillion, kajillion dollars, mm-hmm. I would still be making YouTube videos because I love sharing what I'm learning with people. Right. Or I would still be writing books because that's like on my soul to do. Doesn't matter how much mm-hmm. money I had. I might do certain things differently. I might have a team. I might, you know, there might be other things that I would do, but the like, what would be the core of what you would do? And the only way you can even find that out 
is by going into those different soul nudges. Because first I was like, I just want to have time freedom. That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know the pieces around that or what that actually consisted of until I went into that. And I tried 45 different things. I was like, hate this. This sucks. <laughs> this is okay. It's kind of close. <laughs> you know, like I started out doing like life coaching and business coaching, which is still intertwined in some of what I'm doing, but it's like on a totally different level, you know, mm-hmm. and that's only through experimentation and like trial error and having the courage. Also, this will apply to every person <laughs> listening to this like having the courage to be different and Mm -hmm. to do things in a different way that other people don't understand, you know, that's really important because we're also the ones leading, like we're carving out these new pathways for what will be normal in 30 years Mm -hmm. for people to be doing, but somebody has to carve it out. Mm -hmm. What did you say? Oh, so we have to remember, we have to really remember that because, you know, it, it can feel like so terrifying. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I know, I know in myself, right, like building a temple, I have no mentor to like mm-hmm. show me how to build a temple and it feels totally weird. And um, if I'm honest, like I feel really strange about talking to my family about it. It feels like I'm not actually doing anything, if that makes sense, because, you know, I've been yeah. so conditioned um, to this like uh, Western belief that, you know, you need to like be working a job and showing what you're doing for yourself. And yeah. I, a lot of my work you can't see with your two eyes or you can you can see you know how people's lives are impacted you can see um how they're living a better life um you can see how uh you know they're happier but it's not like a tangible thing that you necessarily uh can show like oh here family look at this until of course like I build the temple and in real life until you know I physically Mm -hmm. put my beams in right yeah so it's 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 something that I think we have to remember um that we are carving a new reality for people to live in and there are not a lot of way showers um there are people that can inspire us but there's not always a lot of people that are doing exactly what we're doing that we can model ourselves after or emulate what we're doing after. And I think it's so beautiful for us to look back through time and see, you know, like read the lore of the priestess, read the lore of how sacred these temples were and to see really how impactful this knowledge was, you know, until it was shoved underneath you know, the ground that was buried, basically, um, and allow ourselves to really be the weirdos, in a sense. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, like, it might feel like we're weirdos, but we're built, like, we're the architects of the new earth, like, it's a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And so other people might view us as weirdos, because I even feel, I'm just gonna, like, nitpick on that word for a second. Oh, go ahead, please do. Because it's like, other people might see us as being that way, but that's always how le- true leaders are. You know, other people don't get it. And mm-hmm. if we're if we're thinking of ourselves as being really weird or even like the black sheep, like everybody uses that term mm-hmm. too. It's like like let's heighten the way we're thinking about ourselves because it's a mm-hmm. big deal what we're doing. Like you're welcome universe. Right. <laughs> you're welcome earth. But 
<laughs> and it is so difficult. Like most people, I'm like, the way that I live in my life, and I think that this is true for like all light workers or whatever you want to call us, like the way that I live my life would be so uncomfortable for so many people. And like, mm-hmm. because there's no, there's no security around me. I don't have a job getting a paycheck. I don't have a ring on my finger, mm-hmm. although I would like that. <laughs> you know, I don't have these forms of security that people rely on to mm-hmm. give them a sense of stability. And I'm, I'm trusting the pathway that I'm just, you know, one machete thing at a time. Hopefully there's not a Jaguar on the other right. side ready to pounce on me, you know? <laughs> And it's like, that takes a lot of bravery and courage what we're doing. And like, if you're listening to this Mm -hmm. podcast, like you're doing that in some element too, you know, and like paving the new way requires so much courage and going back Mm -hmm. to like your offerings or whatever, however you're valuing your work, what do you value that as? Cause I think it's a whole Mm -hmm. lot easier to get a paycheck instead of a job and like I'm not saying that that's not good enough or that's bad. Like that's needed. We need light workers in those spaces, but also like Mm -hmm. there's a cost that comes with being the way shower and maybe in like Mm -hmm. 50 years, we'll be like Wayne Dyer and like, you know, all these people who are well-known or something and um, (laughs) people then will kind of get the, (laughs) then there will be like the accolades and people won't be like, you freak what's wrong with you. (laughs) You know, or people will understand then, and then there's a little bit more respect, but like successful people always say that, you know, people make fun of you until you're successful or until then you get the fame or until then you get the notoriety or the recognition. And then they're like, oh, can we hang out? Like, no. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's, it's so fascinating to me because, um, I had a great aunt who, uh was she was the quote unquote black sheep of the family I prefer psychedelic sheep if I'm honest yep rainbow Um, sheep (laughs) yeah exactly because I'm pure psychedelic joy um she you know she was like the first person in my family to bring um, polarity therapy in and reiki healing and she had you know a six foot pyramid a copper pyramid and she spent, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on learning energy modalities and buying ginormous crystals and all this stuff. And my family used to make fun of her. And all she wanted to do was teach Reiki. For some reason, that's like all her soul wanted. Um, and uh, I had the honor of sitting with her when she passed. And um, before she passed, we did, you know, end of life stuff. Uh, end of life rites you know I I reikied her I held her she she can she we basically did like a confessional and um she took me by the hands and she said you know I always just wanted to teach reiki please pass my legacy on and teach and gave me the torch and that was so illuminating to me because you know she was doing this work in um the the mid 70s early 80s and she was definitely the weirdo Mm -hmm. and so 
it was in that that I realized why no one in my family actually thought I was that weird. Um, because I know some, you know, some people that are doing this, their families are like, oh man, what is this child doing? My family just kind of humored me in a way. They thought I was like, you know, playing around and, and they kind of humored me. Um, but they never deterred me away from what I was doing. And it was like at her passing that I realized like she had set the foundation for me to come in and do this work. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so for that, I, you know, I really had to honor her. And then of course I did go and start teaching after that. But, um, you know, my, my family still talks about her as like kind of being the weird one. And it's so ironic to me because, you know, she actually was doing a lot of this work and helping a lot of people and learning a lot of skills that were necessary. Um, and she helped a lot of her grandchildren be really open to that. Her grandchildren are, you know, wonderful seers in their own rights. And I think it's because she was willing and courageous enough to own what she was doing at a time where it was really unheard of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I don't know how I got on that tangent, but I think it's it's just a follow up to the weirdos because uh, I think that she was successful in what she did, even if she didn't think that when she passed. Uh, mm-hmm. Her ch- her children and her grandchildren took her legacy and ran with it. Um, and so, yeah, you know, she, I watched her stand up. She was, she was the type of woman that would chain herself to a tree mm-hmm. um, because she didn't, you know, want radio towers built. And I fucking love her for that. Yeah. Like that is my woman. Like she, she did that activist stuff and was, you know, the weirdo. Um, but I actually think she was way ahead of her time because she was like, no, you know, no radio frequencies to mess with our body. And she got mm-hmm. it like she got it in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that now everyone that, you know, called her strange is like, wait, <laughs> she was actually onto something like yeah. there actually was something in her, you know, that they saw or that she saw coming forward and um yeah I just think it's beautiful um because what you said is true it's like only you know only when we're able to see what success kind of looks like following that up that that people actually celebrate that and it's it's so important that we celebrate ourselves and we band together and celebrate each other and we love each other for what we're doing even when it seems uh, strange to the world out there but I think the world out there is stranger than I am <laughs> yeah for sure so ah so beautiful I just really like hold this space you know for every person that is coming into their own like soul knowing and you know like navigating that experience because it can feel so isolating sometimes but when you find people like Allie it's a fresher breath there <laughs> or you yeah yeah all of your YouTube videos I think are so wonderful and I've been I've been having such a pleasure like watching the different Facebook groups I'm in like sharing them out in there and seeing them come up and people sharing them and I love it so much I'm oh. like ah Allie's getting the the recognition and That's I just cool. <laughs> I just love it. Like, I love that you're putting those videos out because we need you, Allie. So I'm just celebrating you you for a moment. (laughs) Yeah. And I like just touching on something really quick too. you. um, In the beginning, you were saying like a lot of 
there's a theme around like wanting to make things affordable for people, right? And sometimes we do that first, like at our own detriment, basically, like you can offer free things that feel good. I love doing YouTube videos because I can do them on my own time because I feel like those videos are like eternal, like they're going to last forever. It's not like on Instagram where, you know, it disappears after two seconds and nobody's going to watch it again. They have like longevity. And so that feels to me really, it doesn't feel draining to do. It feels really rewarding because I'm like, this is going to pay off more than I can even imagine. Mm -hmm. And I love just being able to like, um, bluntly talk about whatever I want without having to like be a certain way or like be polite or be I can just be myself and so like there are ways that you can still give back for free where people don't have to pay or like I wrote the book that's 20 bucks you know Mm -hmm. and it could have been a thousand dollar course that I sold like there are ways that you can offer your gifts or like Iris does these amazing group Reiki circles that are very inexpensive and easy for people to access and like you can give back in those ways, but you have mm-hmm. to feel nourished in order to do that. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be yeah. either or. Right. So I just wanted to like drop that in there too. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I think that's why like I love to write on Substack because um, yeah, like you said, Instagram just like goes so fast and things just disappear and it's gone yeah. in a way. And then you like, you spent like your soul writing that and you're yeah. like, oh, and now it's on <laughs> this page forever. But when I put it on Substack, it's like, ah, it lives somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is ultimately why I revamped the podcast because I recognize like in myself, um, I'm sitting here listening to audiobooks and podcasts like all day running after a toddler. I mean, I shouldn't say all day, but I do listen to a lot of them as I yeah. as I have capacity to. And I was like, I just have to speak. I have to speak with my people. I need to share these words so that mm-hmm. <laughs> people can feel it. People can feel the medicine. So thank you for that, Ali. Um, how can people work yeah. with you? Um, there's a few different ways. I work with people mostly very closely one-on-one. So I have private mentorships. I work with people um, either working with myself as an oracle for three, six or nine months or in a goddess temple where we're working with a particular goddess to really evoke that energy in you and in your life. Um, You can also book a single or package Akashic Records session with me. Um, And then also I have like a bunch of courses and, you know, online things on my store online at AllieWilkins.com. But you can also just get my book, Sacred Wealth, or go watch my YouTube videos if you want um, to get like more taste of what I do and what I'm into and all that sort of thing. That's like the best place to just feel me out a little. <laughs> and then I'm on Instagram at Allie.Wilkins or at Ancient Feminine. Um, so you can find me in those places. Beautiful. And I want to just remind everyone that everything that Ali touches is an activation. Everything that Ali creates is an activation. I feel like you have the gift of the siren, if you will. You know, your voice just like changes the quantum <laughs> reality. So thank you for all oh, that you offer you. back. And thank you so much for being here today. It was such a good conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.